وأنت تجل الحزن إذا شئت سهلا اللهم أعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رب الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Right, so I believe that the last thing that we did um, the last thing that we covered was what is the chance? What have you got there? Zafar? Huh? What the sihru ilayha, right? That's where we're starting now, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's just right. Okay, good. So, uh, and just, uh, is this is this all it is? Yeah, in Arabic, yeah? This is the last line, yeah? Yeah, okay. And so today we're going to be covering, inshallah, وَلَا تَسِحُّ الْفَرِيضَ فِي الْكَعَبَ وَلَا فَوْقَهَا وَتَسِحُّ النَّافِلَةً بِاسْتِقْبَالِ شَاخِسٍ مِنْهَا That's the sentence that we're going to be, inshallah, covering today. Shall I bring it down? The obligatory prayer is neither valid inside or on top of the Kaaba. Supererogatory prayers, however, are valid if facing one of its supports. So I repeat, the obligatory prayer according to the Hanbalis, according to the text, the obligatory prayer is neither valid inside or on top of the Kaaba. Supererogatory prayers, however, are valid if facing one of its supports. Okay, so we're going to cover that today. So first of all, this is covered on page 255 of the text itself. Shaykh Al-Athamin alayhi rahmatullah. He says that the fariyah, first of all, he wants to look at the word fariyah because this is one of the rare times that Shaykh Al-Athamin, uh, that the author has used the word fariyah. Al-fariyah, إذا أطلقت فالمراد به وجب بما ال يعني if if it's if, if the word faridah has been used in its absolute sense, then it is referring to one of the fundamentals of the Sharia, and there are six faraid. Okay, faraids. The faraid is a plural of faridah. Faridah is a singular, and faraid is a plural, and there are six of these: um, fajr, zuhr, asr, maghrib, isha, and jumu'ah. And according to, and this is important, I've said this before, what do I say about lists? What's the rule with lists? Or numbers or points when it comes to classification? They're not so important because? Yeah, but but in terms of uh, how important they should be seen, is that they're not so important to memorize because they are subjective. So it's six in this list. But you can say it's five because Jum'ah and Dhuhr are the same because they don't exist both at the same time. So it's either going to be Jum'ah or it's going to be Dhuhr. So it's possible to say that there's five. Okay, the point is to understand that five or six, why is it five or six? These are the number of Fara'id in the uh, day or the week, however you want to look at it. The evidence for, um, according to the Hanbalis, the evidence why the obligatory prayer is not valid inside the Kaaba. Anyone know what that is? Anyone know? Is it because the um, people Quraysh keep the idols No, although it's a good point. It's not because the uh, Quraysh kept the idols there, because the Prophet ﷺ cleared those out. So after that, 
there is no excuse now to not pray in there because of idols. And that also wasn't the initial reason because that could have been blocked as well, could have been taken, whatever. The reason is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Baqarah, And so wherever you may be that you leave from, where you go out, then face towards Al-Masjid Al-Haram. Face towards Al-Masjid Al-Haram. وَالْمُصَلِّ فِي الْكَعْبَ لَا يَكُنْ مُسْتَقْبِلًا لِلْبَيْتِ كُلِّهِ And anyone who is in the Kaaba, they cannot possibly be facing the Kaaba because they are in parts of it. That's the argument. You understand that? That's the argument which is being made. If you are inside the Kaaba, then how can you, how can you be facing it? Because you are actually within it. Because once you are standing inside it, then some of the house is behind you, some of the house is to the left of you, some of the house is to the right of you. So they're basically arguing that linguistically speaking, you are not facing the Kaaba, and then that's therefore not going to be acceptable. The Mu'allif says, and neither on top of the Kaaba. So neither is it the prayer acceptable inside the Kaaba or on top of the Kaaba. Why? Because whatever is. He goes that whatever is the reason from before is the same. If you are on top of the Kaaba, it's even less likely because you are not even facing any of it. It's like you almost imagine, you know, the argument that you just used to make the prayer invalid inside. So then it's going to be even more so the case if you're standing on top because you're not even surrounded by it. You're kind of just like facing off towards a another uh, direction. You're just basically facing another direction of it. Um, except, Sheikh says, if you were to, um, according to the Hanbalis, if you were to, for example, balance on the very corner of one corner, and then and then pray in towards the other direction, then theoretically you are you are getting everything. It's like you're standing on the one corner and you're getting that in front of you, that corner in front of you, that side in front of you, and therefore you would be uh, okay. That's the, the way that they are. That's the way that they are putting the argument forward. And it's understood from what the author is saying that therefore a involuntary prayer, a, 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 a voluntary prayer, or as we say, a supererogatory prayer, which is the correct English phrase for nafal. We've said this before. Voluntary is not a good phrase because it means it's something that you, you know, it's up to you whether you want to do it or not. Whereas the sunnah and nafal our prayers that we should be doing, but they're not obligatory and they get reward for it, okay? Those prayers, by definition, are allowed because he, the author, said that the obligatory prayer is not. So what we call, okay? Why did the author not include the word nafal? Why is it that he specifically said that it is not the obligatory prayer which is allowed? Because of a hadith that's narrated in Sahih Muslim and Sahih Bukhari where the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu prayed two raka'ah of nafal prayer inside the Kaaba. That is narrated by Bukhari in Kitab al-Hajj, hadith number 1598, and it's narrated by Imam Muslim in Kitab al-Hajj as well, uh, hadith number 1329, both on the authority of Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma. So this hadith indicates that the nafal prayer is allowed, but the obligatory prayer is not allowed. Sheikh Uthameen then opens up a discussion. He says, what is the case then for a, a, a mandura. Anyone know what a mandura is? What is, if we say, if we say a salatul maktuba or salatul faridah or, or salatul nafila, salatul maktuba means a prayer which is written, which would indicate what? 
prescribed prayer, fard, obligatory prayer. That's another name for the faridah, which is the obligatory prayer. So maktuba is the written prayer, obligatory prayer. Nafila is the involuntary, the voluntary prayer, the supererogatory prayer. What about manzura? From, from from the basic Arabic, maktuba comes from kataba. So manzura comes from nazara. And what is a nazar? A vow, okay? It's the one of those prayers that you vow to pray. If I pass my exams, I swear I'm going to pray two raka'ah inside the Kaaba. If I do this, if you do that, if you do this, I will do two raka'ah. Okay? So people used to make that kind of thing. People say that kind of thing now. Nazar is very, very common and it's obligatory, of course, to see out your nazar. Do you understand now why the question is there? It's obligatory to perform your vow. So the prayer in itself, in its origin and form, is it obligatory or not? No. You don't have to make a vow, do you? Right? You don't need to pray a prayer to raka'ah for a vow, do you? But once you've made it obligatory upon yourself, that's what the question is. It's a bit of a kind of like a, an academic kind of one. Once you've made the prayer obligatory upon yourself, what is this legal classification now? What do you think? You have to complete the vow, therefore the prayer becomes obligatory upon him. So what are you saying? You're saying the prayer itself is not obligatory. Yeah. The prayer itself is not an obligatory prayer, but it's become obligatory upon him. If he leaves that prayer, he's sinning. Kafara aside, we're not talking about any compensation or whatever. We're talking about how to resolve this scenario. He's inside the Kaaba, for example, and he now says to himself, well, I've got to pray this. If he prays it inside the Kaaba, will it be fulfilled? That's the basic uh, uh, discussion. Um, I mean, it's nice that we cover this actually, but not because of because the issue is easy, because you're going to see in a second that we believe that obligatory prayer can be prayed inside, so it's not going to be a scenario. But because we don't come across these scenarios, another uh, uh, and whatever, for at least another 10 years, so let's at least yeah, take a little bit of uh, fun from it. So... Um, the so Sheikh Uthameen says, well, according to what the uh, author has said, then it includes that which has been stated and also which is understood as well. So it's not just yani, what has been said fariyada, but also what is understood to be a fard as well. So that's yani, according. So therefore, according to uh, the uh, his statement, then a, a obligatory prayer would not be understood. And we understood that a nafal prayer would be uh, valid. So an obligatory prayer would be invalid, and a non-obligatory prayer would not be uh, would, would, would be uh, uh, valid. So the manzura is not included. Um, he says that therefore, when we look at this statement, the manzura cannot be included. It doesn't come into faridah. It doesn't come into the nafila. So what we should do then? Someone might say, one of the scholars might say, then we should put it into the category that it's closest to. What is it closer to? Is it closer to an obligatory prayer or a non-obligatory prayer? So, uh, what does Sheikh say? He says that if we look at it from two angles, we will see we have a different problem as well. If we look at it from the lawgiver, then it is closer to being a nafal because he did not obligate it. If we're looking at it from the person yani himself, then it's closer to being obligation because he obligated it upon himself. So we don't yani have a solution there either. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Man nadhara an yuti'a Allah fal yuti'u. 
the Prophet ﷺ said that whoever makes a vow to obey Allah, then he should do it. Yeah, and if anyone makes a, a vow to do an act of worship, then they must perform it. That's a, that's, a, that's a more realistic translation. Okay, Whoever makes a vow to worship Allah, to do an act of worship for the sake of Allah, should perform it. So a person has to do it. And that's why the scholars have differed over it. You've got it being an awful and an obligation at the same time. Some of the scholars then said, no, uh, that, no it's clear that this is linked to being an oblig- obligation. Therefore, it should not be prayed in the Kaaba. It will be invalid in the Kaaba. Others said, no, it's closer to being a nafal. Therefore, it is okay in the Kaaba. And he then said that, هذا الحكم في النظر المطلق الذي قال فيها الناظر لله علي نظر أن أصلي ركعتين He said that this is with respect to the the a ruling of a prayer which a person says, I have to pray two raka'ah for the sake of Allah. Okay? This is what we call mutlaq, meaning it's open and it's absolute. I have to pray two raka'ah, nadar, vow. There's a different version of that vow, which is that I have to pray two raka'ah of uh, uh, like nafal as a vow inside the Kaaba. Which is a different vow altogether. And then Sheikh says, That the scholars have said that this person has to pray in the uh, prayer, uh, in the in the Kaaba, and his prayer is accepted. Okay? That the prayer is accepted and, and, and uh, uh, it's valid. So the answer to the question is simply that a person who indicates a vow that he will pray inside the Kaaba, then his prayer is valid in the Kaaba. Okay. Now let's look at the issue from our point of view. The position of the majority of scholars is that the prayer inside the Kaaba, every prayer, obligatory prayer, is valid, is authentic. Why is that? Just like the Nafil prayer. Why is that? Because of the hadith of um, uh, 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 why, sorry, because of the lack of evidence that it's not. There are some hadith which indicate that it's not permissible to pray on top of the house of Allah. That would give an indication. But there's no, but there's no authenticity to that. So there is nothing to indicate that the internal or the inside is prohibited. Okay? There's no actual physical evidence that goes forward and says that it's not allowed to pray inside the Kaaba. Yeah. And the only evidence that we have is a hadith which states that you're not allowed to pray on top of the Kaaba and that's weak anyway. Okay? This is something which indicates that on top of the, on top of the Kaaba you cannot pray and that's not uh, 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 authentic. Okay? وَأَيْضًا Sheikh says, This is now important, okay? This is good stuff now. The basic position in Sharia is that the rules occur, uh, applying to obligatory and nafil are the same, except if there is an evidence to suggest elsewise. So once we have an evidence that allows a nafil prayer to be prayed, then we have to assume the same for the obligatory, unless there is an evidence that indicates not to. Do you understand? We have that evidence, don't we? The hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar, where the Prophet ﷺ prayed the nafal inside the Kaaba, based upon that, we should continue to pray the obligatory prayer as well. Because what did we say? The asl fi shara, the basic position in the sharia, is that nafal and obligatory prayers are both referred to at all times, unless there is a dalil which states that one is definitely not being allowed. Okay? Um, Uh, and he goes. This is this is uh, 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 this ev- and this principle itself is proven. What I just said, 
that prayers are or a hadith uh, apply to both obligatory and non-obligatory okay unless there's an evidence what's the evidence you want to say what's the evidence for this principle or this qaida this uh, maxim the evidence for that is when the prophet ﷺ used to pray on his ride on his on his camel or his horse or whatever when he was on a ride on his mount whenever he used to pray he used to pray whatever direction it would be facing other than the fact that he would never pray his obligatory prayers upon it. This hadith is narrated famously, of course, in Sahih Bukhari. It's a very authentic hadith. The Prophet ﷺ used to pray upon his horse and used to pray in whatever direction it was facing, except for the fact that he never used to pray his obligatory prayer upon it. What does this hadith prove? It proves, therefore, that every other evidence that talks about Yani how he used to pray here, pray there, pray this direction, pray this manner, whatever. It's obviously applying to both prayers because if it wasn't, then he would each time add that little indication other than the obligatory prayer, other than the obligatory prayer. Here, because he's done that, that would indicate that in another hadith, in another scenario, if the Prophet ﷺ does not add that caveat, then it's applying to both classes. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, guys, yeah. So Alright. So separately in terms of ruling them. No, that's right. No, Correct. Because he's so uh, that's that's why he says at the, at the at the top of page two hundred fifty eight, he goes, Istasno, they made the exception for If the Prophet had not said this statement that other than that he would not pray the obligatory prayer then that would mean that both prayers are to be prayed on the horse. Simple as that, isn't it? <coughs> if he had not said it, what would it have meant? Mean both can be prayed on the mount. The fact that he says it takes it out. Therefore, um, both are acceptable. وَلِأَنَّ اللَّهَ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ يَقُولْ فَوَلِّ وَجْهَكَ شَطَرَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ يعني Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yes, he did say in 149 Surah Al-Baqarah, and so face, turn your face towards the direction of Al-Masjid Al-Haram, and the shatar, okay, وَشَطْرُهُ بِمَعْنَ جِهَدَهُ He, uh, 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 Shaykh Uthameen says this word shatra means a direction. And the direction, the direction, بِمَعْنَ جِهَدَهُ وَهَذَا يَشْمِلْ إِسْتِقْبَالْ جَمِعِ الْكَعْبَةِ أَوْ جُزْءٍ مِنْهَا He goes, the direction of the Kaaba does not mean it has to be all of it. It can be towards some of it as well. So if you're praying inside it, then you've still got some part of it as well. So it is fulfilled. Just like we know that when he prayed in the Kaaba, what was he facing towards? He was facing towards some part of it. So therefore that is, show, that is showing that if you are... Simply the fact that he prayed inside shows that he is facing towards some form of the Qibla as far as he is concerned. And therefore it is... Uh, okay, just to pray towards it. Therefore, what the class position and Sheikh Uthameen's position is that it is valid to pray towards part of the Kaaba, and therefore it is valid to pray inside the Kaaba and uh, on top of the uh, Kaaba. So someone then says, Sheikh says, what if someone then says, so should we then pray inside the Kaaba then? And Sheikh Uthameen says, well, yani, if a person, yani, why would that be a problem? Yani, it's like someone's actually uh, kind of confused that how could you possibly pray inside the Kaaba? Well, it has a door 
and you know you'd go in and you can pray whatever so he goes someone says well, okay what about if it's not possible yani meaning you know politically or whatever so sheikh says well then they can pray inside the hijr and this is important to you to understand that um, there is some discussion about that amongst the scholars so you know the Kaaba is the cuboid and then you have a a semicircle yani wall okay and it's gated at both sides and the question is now is this considered to be part of the Kaaba or not and there is a genuine scholarly discussion about that was this actually part of the original structure is it the pen of Ismail السلام, is it this is it that and so on and so forth anyway Sheikh Uthameen has clearly put his cards on the table and he believes that that's part of the Kaaba therefore to pray inside the Hijr itself is then could therefore considered to be praying inside the uh, praying inside the uh, yeah the Hatim itself yeah, the Hijr itself yeah yeah that's therefore considered to be part of the of praying inside the Kaaba. It's Sheikh's opinion, all of it was part of the Kaaba because I've heard that there's an opinion that only a couple of meters away. Correct, correct, correct. But the Sheikh doesn't mention that. I mean, you know, I myself, yani, I do not consider it to be part of the Kaaba. Uh, but, um, and a number of scholars are of that opinion. But Sheikh Uthameen says that if you cannot get into the uh, um, into the Kaaba itself, then he gets into the Hijr itself, and so you don't. You, you said you don't consider. It I don't know, and uh, and and to be honest, a number of the scholars evidence? That, that there was no evidence that it was part of it in the Asl. Wasn't it the fact that the foundations were when they rebuilt it, they couldn't build it according to the original, uh, you know, floor plan? Correct. There's one argument that it wasn't yani something separate. And there was there's the other argument that it itself, you see, uh, a good argument for it, right? Is if you look at the original building, it was never a cuboid, so it is like this, okay? It had that curved wall at that side, so if you've got the curved wall at the side, yeah, then it's all part of one building. Now the idea is that that wall has now been taken out. Yeah, because it's a it's a it's a it's a straight it's a straight line now. So the hijr almost is representing the actual kind of original kind of foundation without going up, without encompassing it. Does that make sense? If it was because by moving to get the Hatib in the Kaaba, it would cause more fitna and that's why it was left Rasulullah Sallam. Uh, of course, the, uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, the ahadith, the, the ahadith about the structure of the Kaaba are all indicating different things. Uh, so, for example, decisions being made to um, not change things because of fitna, mm-hmm. and then later on, people then adding things in order to make things easier. From what they understood, comparing the asl foundations of the Prophet ﷺ versus the asl foundations of Ibrahim ﷺ, what Abdullah ibn Zubair made the decision of, which is to add second door, and, 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 and. And uh, for anyone who wants to read about this, okay, uh, Sheikh Walid has an excellent book on this, and it's available if you just Google it. It's called, just put in Sheikh Walid Kaaba, okay, something, I can't remember what it's called, but, you know, something Kaaba or wonderful Kaaba or something, I don't know. But just type in Kaaba and it's very, very good. It's very detailed. 
um, and very nice. And it shows all of the various stages and, and dimensions as well. Kaaba used to be huge. And then the size has been reduced. Everything has been reduced. So my point is, is that it's a matter of doubt. But I, also, I just want to also add something else. That I, I also, uh, when it comes to the holy locations, um, I, I, I am definitely more a conservative, if you like, than a, than a well, you don't have a liberal in this, but I guess I'm more orthodox is probably the more right word, yeah. I'm more orthodox. I prefer to go with clear, clear evidence when it comes to uh, holy sites. And I say to you, first of all, that there's no real evidence other than an emotional one that praying inside the Kaaba is any better than praying towards the Kaaba. Okay? The idea is a more emotive driven and not pure emotion because it's the house of Allah. It is sacred. But rather the Sunnah acts indicate that. I see from my Prophet ﷺ that he did not make a habit of praying inside the Kaaba. He virtually never prayed inside the Kaaba. He didn't like, in my opinion, the kind of exclusivity that it creates, uh, that kind of, yani, that it excludes other people. And today it's the same. Today I would feel uncomfortable if someone opened the door for me because I've got a hookup. Yep. It's the same, it's, it's the same reason why um, when we was in the Blessed Voyage, uh, the, the Al-Maghrib uh, trip last time, um, uh, so the, what they did, I told you, isn't it, that the organizers of that thingy, they, they're like the Hajj Mafia they are, right? Mm-hmm. Right? So Dar es Salaam, they're called Americans. They've got some next level behavior. I don't know what they're paying people, yeah, but I can tell you how much they're paying people, yeah? So they, 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 you know, they allow you, uh, so they had competitions in the conferences, like, you know, kind of little mini umfests during the kind of thing. And whoever won the different kind of competitions got the most kind of answers correct. So they win the right to go and, uh, uh, you know, uh, go to the Kaaba, basically. And I mean, go, you go escorted, they, you know, they, they, they box it off and you go completely and you've got your own time, like whatever. And, huh? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I keep saying Kaaba. I mean, Hajar Aswad, pardon, to kiss the black stone. And they asked me to lead it, yani meaning that you're the one who's going to go and take them. I, I refused. I, I said, there's no way I can do that. I can't, well, I, you know, I don't like that behavior. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because that's as best it is, isn't it? And it's best it is. People seeing, watching you, thinking, who the hell can you, yani? I'm saying. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's true. I mean, but then it's easy for me to say that because I've done it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, if you if you if you have kissed it, then it's okay. But if you haven't, yeah. you take one. Yeah, you say, all right, take, I'll take the shame. No, <laughs> no, no, no problem. Take one for the team. You know what I mean? Why get my sins forgiven? Whatever. So, so you know, it is it is it is more of um, it's just ape. It's just ape. And um, likewise, I think obviously, well, obviously. Praying inside the cab is even worse, no doubt about that, because at least you can physically get to the black stone. But there's no way you're getting inside the cab unless you know you're a prime minister or you're yeah, and you've been hooked up, or whatever. So I just find that distasteful, just unethical. I'm not saying haram or anything like that. I just find it distasteful. We can't, yeah, we've got to be very careful here that we don't let Western sensitivities and kind of justice, all this concept of justice, override the fact that the Prophet has prayed in it. And so, you know, Sharia evidence is, is there. It's when a person prays, we don't ever question them. We ourselves shouldn't feel shame. Uh, we, uh, what's the word? We shouldn't be feeling what? And, no, about someone else. 
we shouldn't insult someone else or think bad of someone else for doing it. Judge them. Huh? Judge them. Yeah, judge them. But judge yourself, no problem. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, someone else did it, no problem. And uh, uh, in the end, uh, the person who led them, I'm not going to mention the name so that protect their, their thinking, is it? he hadn't done it anyway before. So, you know, like I said, when you haven't done it, yeah, you, you take what you take. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, the other thing that I was going to say is that I also have a very, you know, uh, um, I'm very much upon this principle as well, that I do not believe that prayers which are virtuous or places which are virtuous or actions which are virtuous because of time or location get priority over normative actions if there is a lot of fitna or problem involved with that act. So for example, the Hajr Aswad, I don't tell anyone in my group even to attempt doing it. Whereas when we, I take my Hajar Umar folks, I tell them that, you know, Rukhani Mani, you know, we're going to touch that, you know, nearly every shalt, yani every circuit will do it. And this is how we're going to do it. And it's not going to touch, you're not going to touch people, you're not going to get too involved. And then if we, once you've done it and you've realized that it, there was a little bit of pushing, we just back off. Yak myself, every single circuit, I can touch the Hajr, the, the, the Rukhani Yamani, Yemeni corner without any problem. Without any problem. But, uh, uh, you know, then people start then taking that adv- example and, you know, start pushing or whatever. So, so likewise, the sisters, they're obviously very, very keen to go and pray in Aralda, um and much more than the brothers because those guys have got a far more, better chance to pray in Aralda. But praying in Aralda, what, 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 what for? What for? Just because it is a portion of paradise, we don't see a, a great kind of push from the companions and the salaf to be making the acts of ibadah here and so on and so forth. Yes, theoretically, if a person is there, then it would multiply and embellish the act, but we don't have a nos. You know what I'm trying to say? And that's what I mean, that's what I mean when I say I'm more orthodox. I think I have, I don't know how many, hundreds of times I've been, alhamdulillah, tarharam. Yes? Uh, I think I've only ever prayed in the rawda once or twice. Only once or twice. And what I mean, I don't mean the seasons that you guys go, whatever. I mean, when I was living there, when I was studying there, yani at dead times, you know, when there's no visas available and it's empty, I still wouldn't go there. Because the extra level of busyness and people and stress and pushing and whatever and noise, it doesn't bring what you're actually wanting to get there. That's myself personally. That's my, my opinion. And that's the same for the hijr. That's the reason why I wouldn't... Uh, I wouldn't make things. Uh, yeah, well done, Mesa. The Kaaba unknown. Yeah, well done. Um, uh, I don't think that your place of where you are overcomes the quality of your relationship or the quality of your act of worship. Yeah, I, I, I do believe that. And there is a famous any story. Don't everyone probably either you definitely know this because I've told bored people so many times about this, or you don't. So let me bore you again with it. Okay, <laughs> I am a person who, on the twenty sixth night of uh, Ramadan uh, uh, I was in the Haram and I was in Mecca and I went to the Saudi Airlines office I said get me out of here and I got on the next flight uh, out of the Haram back to Manchester and I was able to get here in time um, uh, and to, to do my Taraweeh that night in um, Mecca Masjid 27th night that's how much I was disillusioned and put off 
by the just the environment of the of the haram al masjid al haram so you think about that yeah no, lack of focus lack of ability to to you know it was an, it, i don't know whether it was a particularly bad it was a long time ago it was about 15 20 years ago um and it was it was it was it was not nice at all i didn't enjoy any of it at all um and i'm not into uh, i'm also not into the idea of the two jamaat as well I don't follow that neither legally or Islamically. The idea, a lot of people would enjoy that, right? It's one of the main reasons they go. That we're going to pray tarawih, then we're going to go back, and then we're going to pray to hajjit, okay? I don't believe there is two prayers anyway. There's only one night prayer in Ramadan. It's called Qiyamul Layl. It's not called tarawih, it's not called tahajjud. You don't do it in parts, you do it in one go, and you do it throughout. So I'm not yani, a massive fan of the way they even do it either, but that's yani, personal. The point is, and also this point is personal as well. I did not feel the quality. Ultimately, the prayer itself has to be a quality moment that you're enjoying, that the Qur'an is impacting upon you. But if you're standing there, for example, and the prayer itself is really, uh, it's not impacting, there's way too much noise, there's too much shosha, there's too much X, there's too much Y, then you've got to ask yourself what is better. Now, the problem with this argument is that it can be very dangerous. Okay. Because, and this is important that you understand this, because this is the argument that people used to not go to the masjid at all. Okay? They say that the masjid is smelly, the, the people are there, the imam is rubbish, blah, blah, blah. You know? This kind of thing. So there are limits to this. There are limits to this. So I'm, I'm only telling you because the, I came back to a congregational prayer. I'm not obligated to pray in the haram. And there is no, there is no evidence to say that my prayer will be more accepted in the haram. My prayer is more rewarded. My prayer is greater in magnitude. My prayer is whatever. But the fact that yani, it's accepted, well, if you are not there in the first place, your prayer doesn't have a chance of being accepted wherever you are. You get what I'm trying to say? That's yani, a subtle point. But the point is is that, um, uh, no, I, I look, you, look, you saw that picture before of the hijar. It's madness in there. It's absolute madness. People, yani, you know, on top of you, whatever. It's a real, it's a real, it's a real mission. All right, okay, yeah. So with regards to the hungry text, it says like, imagine but salah is valid inside or on top. Yeah. Yes. So why don't you use another ayah in the Quran? Mm-hmm. So wherever you face, whether it's your top or inside. Because the, 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 the second, yeah. is a more general statement which is not legal in its nature. No, but the first one is legal, isn't it? The first one talking about uh, turn towards Mashal Haram is actually a legal yani, edict which is referring to the eventual which is a, oh, oh yes oh, hold on Yara hold on you know it's all about the old school nowadays raspberry juice sorry folks yani, online but yani, important matters have come to oh, are we doing before or not <laughs> is the ruling based upon what they are yeah okay the ruling is based upon me first taking my share then giving it to you you guys then doing what you want okay there you go Bismillah. you can pass that around he prayed in the Kaaba so these two are very strong like ayah and the hadith which indicates yes it's allowed to pray in the Kaaba and on top of the Kaaba from uh, Mark and the Sun, yeah. from the ayah, straight away. Yeah. Go wherever you face. Maybe. 
maybe, mm. maybe. Also, technically speaking, I mean, if you're if you're praying on one side of the Kaaba, really right up at the front, then you're only going to face one wall. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Sheikh Damien says that yani, the the idea of praying yani, towards the Kaaba, uh, 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 he says that whether you're praying towards part of it or some of it, you're still facing it. Yeah. Oh, that's what Sheikh Damien says. He goes, the fact that the Prophet prayed inside would indicate also his own understanding of what it means to face towards it. So that he uses that as an evidence as well. I'm not sure how strong that is. Because the response to that would be to, to point towards the Kaaba is not required in Nafil anyway, so he wasn't. So, you know, the, you, you'd always be able to respond with that argument. So, you know, Allah. When you said about Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he was in the Nawafil, he was not more focused on in terms of direction where yep. the uh, yep. Bahima was. Yeah. You know. uh, but uh, what about, uh, and you said this argument because, so the, what I would require for Nawafil is required for Pride as well. Yeah. But when we have the intention, I think Shaykh bin Baz, he said that, you know, intention, if you have for nawafil, for wudu, you can't pray with that, the part with that, uh-huh. the hierarchy. That's right. So that differentiates. We did as well, by the way, before, yeah, Yanni, don't give me a heart attack, Yanni. We had like about five, f- five lessons on that. Very important. Yeah, go on. Yeah, so based on that, based on that, I think there is a clear difference between both them two. Yeah. So to say, like, you know, what we require for nawafil can be required, it's same for the fried, would be difficult to accept that. I know what you're saying. Uh, I think here in the issue of the prayer, the point is is that is is only a specific argument being used, and that is that if the Prophet ﷺ has prayed inside the Kaaba, a nafil prayer, you are either going to understand from that, or not either. You're going to understand that from a number of things. Either you're going to understand that he is applying the rule of following the qibla, and he is, or he is praying nafil prayer. Qibla is not obligatory. So he's not. So to use it as an evidence is just going to always have questions. Which is why Shaykh Uthami didn't use it as a primary evidence. He used it as a discussion point. What well, he's saying is okay. Yeah, he said it's okay, of course. Correct, correct. Again, I repeat, the class position is that the obligatory prayer is not valid inside or on top of the Kaaba. The class position and position of the majority and my position is that it is valid inside the, the, the Kaaba and on top of the Kaaba as well. Now look at this. Okay, how though, inside, what does it need to be to be able to be valid? Okay, because it's an empty space, isn't it? Right, it's an empty space inside the Kaaba. So what do the uh, what does the the, the author say? That it is only valid. What is it? What did I translate as? Shaz? Because I spent a long time trying to get this word incorrect. Supererogatory prayers, however, are valid if facing one of its supports. Shaykhs, okay? The word shaykhs I've translated as supports. Now, basically, the idea is that there has to be between a person, in front of a person, one of the actual physical supports. Shaykh Uthameen says, a shaykhs, a shay al-qa'im al-muttasib al-ka'ba. Okay, something which is standing connected to the Kaaba itself. So basically a pillar, for example, or a wall, right? Something which is connected to the Kaaba itself that has to be in between you. 
So therefore, according to this position, and here's the, the point here, if you are inside the Kaaba, okay, inside the Kaaba, and the door was open, and you are praying towards direction outwards, the prayer, the Nafal prayer would not be valid because in between you and what's in front of you is nothing. It's just air. That's the theory behind it. Okay? لِأَنَّهُ لَيْسَ بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ شَاخِصٌ مِنْهَا فَإِنْ وَضَعَ لَبِنَةً أَوْ لَبِنَتَيْنِ بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ لَمْ تَصْرِحْ أَيْضًا لِأَنَّ لَيْسَتْ مِنْهَا وَلَيْسَتْ مُتَصِلًا um, so if a person is inside the Kaaba and the door is open and they're praying that way direction out, we've said, okay, he's praying towards the Kaaba. We've accepted that yani, as an argument. But because the door is open, there is actually nothing. He's actually facing out and away from the Kaaba. And so that, that's not going to be acceptable. Likewise, if in that same state, he was then to get a couple of bricks and put it in front of himself, that would neither be acceptable for two reasons. One, those bricks are not from the Kaaba itself. Number two, it's not connected to the Kaaba. It is loose. So let's say you took one or two bricks from the Kaaba itself and argued that these are from the Kaaba. If you put it in front of you, it is not connected to the up-down yani, of the, the actual kind of like shape itself. Okay? Some of the uh, people of knowledge said, It is acceptable to pray inside the Kaaba it is acceptable to pray inside the Kaaba even if there is no connecting thing between them. Why? What is their evidence for that? Sheikh says that no, some of the scholars said it's allowed to pray inside the Kaaba without facing one of its supports because what we are facing is air, not the actual thing itself. And air, if you are facing towards air, it is connected to what is uh, uh, underneath it, the foundations. So if you're facing towards the door and you're facing out, what you're actually facing is air which is built upon the foundation of the Kaaba. And an argument was given by some of these scholars that if you are, for example, on the mountain of Abu Qubais in the Haram, which is the huge mountain to the right-hand side, yeah, and on the, you know, to the other side, because if you're praying on that, you can't even see the Kaaba. You're right there, but you can't even see the Kaaba. You're praying like over it, basically. What do you do when you're praying? You're praying towards a direction. And ultimately, if you were to look, you're basically praying over it. Right, And so the idea is that no one ever said that your prayer is invalid. You've got to point downwards or whatever. Because whatever is above the Kaaba is the direction of the Kaaba. Okay? Anyway, Sheikh says, I'm not too sure about yani, this level of uh, Qiyas. I don't think yani, that it is a very good yani, argument. Um, uh, so anyway, Sheikh goes, I don't think that's yani, a very... Um, ولكن هذا القياس فيه نظر لأن المصلي للكعبة في مكان أعلى يشاهد شيئا شاخص بين يديه وإن كان غير محاذ له فلا يصح القياس يعني شيخ تيمين says I'm not too sure how strong this is because actually whatever, wherever a person is in that mountain he will see some aspect of the Kaaba so even though he is not يعني, on a level of the Kaaba meaning if you were to go straight he can actually see the Kaaba so it's not the same maybe that's not a bad argument actually okay because you can actually see it so anyway, he says, وَلَا شَكَّ أَنَّ الْاحْتِيَاضِ أَنْ يَكُونْ بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ شَاخِصٌ مِنْهَا وَلَكِنْ لَوْ أَنَّ الْإِنسَانِ صَلَّى وَجَاءَ 
يستفتينا فلا نستطيع أن نقول إن صلاتك ليست صحيحة He says no doubt about it that the safer position is to pray towards one of يعني something يعني to have some kind of physical يعني uh, connection thing okay but there's no way that if a person was to pray inside the Kaaba or outside the Kaaba and there was not something yani, towards that you know, physical in front of them and he's come to ask us and said, is my prayer valid? There's no way that I'm going to say that your prayer is not valid. That's what Sheikh Uthameen just said. There's no way that I can go and say that. So certainly it'd be safer to have something physical uh, there. And, uh, 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 and so if someone was about to go in and pray, we would say, pray, don't pray towards the door. We'd actually say to them, pray towards something physical. And, and he goes, and that's one of the reasons why when the Kaaba was destroyed, you know, at the time of Abdullah ibn Zubair, um, uh, you know, uh, Hajjaj obviously yani, destroyed the Kaaba entirely yani, in their attack upon the siege of Mecca. Um, uh, ibn Zubair, when he started to rebuild it and he put the wooden pillars up, and to create some kind of basic structure, what he did is, is hang curtains. Okay, so he hang curtains up, yani, to kind of create some form of physical thing, even though the wood was not there, but it's a physical connected top to bottom kind of thing, so that people could uh, pray towards that. That's narrated by uh, in Sahih Muslim in Kitab al Hajj, hadith number 1333. Okay. And that's why Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he said, وَهَذَا دَلِيلٌ عَلَىٰ أَنَّهُ لَا بُدَّ أَنْ يَكُونَ هُنَاكَ شَاخِصٌ يُصَلَّى إِلَيْهِ That's why Ibn Taymiyyah said, it is an absolute condition that if you are praying inside the Kaaba, that there is some kind of support that you are praying towards. And that's the position of Ibn Taymiyyah, even though Shaykh al-Thamin himself has some doubts about it. So, he goes, we can now conclude this entire last few weeks by saying وخلاصة من ما ذكره المؤلف من المواضع التي لا تصح الصلاة فيها ما يلي so we can summarize those places that it is not acceptable to pray towards okay or pray in or those places that you're not allowed to pray in according to the Hanbalis okay what did they say a uh, impure number one eight places a impure place okay that has been touched by impurity we agree with that Class position, fully agree with that. Okay, so I'm going to say what, what the position is and what, what our position is. We completely agree with that. That's obvious. Okay, number two, the graveyard. And you know what we said about that. We said that the majority of the scholars allow it, but we should avoid it, Yani. Okay, the Hanbalis uh, definitely don't allow it. Uthameen himself doesn't allow it either. The majority say that it's makro, meaning it's permissible to pray there. And that is probably the more te- technical correct position. But we should avoid praying there out of Yani safety. Number three, al-hush, the toilet itself, and that should be avoided for all the reasons. It is the place of shaitan, it's dirty. Number four, the hammam. The hammam itself is the bathroom. Now, we discussed that, isn't it? I said to you that myself, I have something in my heart against that. Yani, I'm not very comfortable with it. I told you that the hadith that made the uh, 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 bathroom and the, and the graveyard to be thingy is, has weakness in it. So even from a textual point of view, the hadith has yani, some issue with it. And also I said that uh, you know, it's a place which is clean if it can be cleaned and so on. But what did I say to you? I said that it's not right for the Muslims to be praying in such a place. And we've got to have some izzat, you know what I'm saying? And there could be, it might not just be purely the fact that it's clean or not clean. It's got to be also something bigger. It's got to be the fact that shayateen could still be there, etc. So that's our position there. Number five, the adhan ibl, camel pens, 
and we agree with that as a class position, Sheikh Uthameen also. Then number six is a place which has been usurped, so a place which has been frauded or stolen. And we said that the Hanbalis do say that, but Sheikh Uthameen says no, it is allowed to pray there. And we also say yes, it is allowed to pray there, so we disagree with that one again. All right. Then number seven, the roofs of all of the above. Okay. And what did we say about that? We said that you're allowed to pray on all of the roofs. There's no evidence here I need to show that you can pray. You do not pray on any of the roofs. Sheikh Uthameen doesn't like the, the, the roof of the graveyard. Yes, you know what we say about the graveyard. If we're allowing the prayer in the graveyard, of course, we're going to allow it on the roof. And on the bathroom, Sheikh Uthameen himself was not very yani, confident about prohibiting the, the, the prayer on, the, on, the, on, the, on top of the toilet, on, the, on, on top of the bathroom. And I think that when you think about it, that is the correct position, that to pray on top of the bathroom is allowed. And I gave the example of the drains and the sewers and so on. And uh, yeah. And then number eight, the Kaaba and its roof with respect to the obligatory prayer. That's the Hanbalis. They said you're not allowed to pray there. We say it is allowed to pray there. There's no evidence to prohibit it. Yeah? Is that clear? Is that as a, a summary? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Talk about haram and halal now. Yeah, okay. I believe that it is permissible if there's a need, yeah. I mean, it's very difficult to make that statement. You know, it's okay to pray in a graveyard because you never want to say that. Just for class positions, technically speaking, you're stuck and you're dying and all the rest of it. Yeah, then okay. You can pray in the graveyard. So graveyard, user place. Yeah. Roofs of all the aforementioned the Kaaba, inside the Kaaba. Yeah. Yeah, 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 correct. You said about the prayer inside the Kaaba. Yeah. Uh, so it's not the matter of the sutra, but it's to do with the foundation itself. With respect to the Kaaba? Yeah, because you said, you know, the object has to, it's, it's the structure itself. Yeah. It's not just a matter of sutra that you need to be facing. No, yeah, correct. It's n- yeah, correct. The condition is not the, 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 the sutra, no. No, no, not at all. We're not talking about something which is acting as a prayer barrier. We're talking about something which is actually part of the actual Kaaba itself. Okay, a, a significant aspect of it. Yeah, and also, Sheikh, uh, I mean, I think another, uh, I was reading somewhere, like, you know, another thing which is quite obvious anyway, that uh, a person not facing towards each other praying inside the Kaaba, for example, that would be doing so to themselves. Yeah, maybe, which yeah. Which is quite obvious, anyway, but it yeah. was mentioned in the... Yeah, two people praying towards each other inside. Yeah. Facing each other, that we problematic, yeah. So, Rasulullah Sallallahu when he prayed inside the Kaaba, yeah. I mean, there was no such a thing like pillars inside there at mm-hmm. that time, I'm guessing, I don't know. That's why I didn't use pillars. That's why I never translated as pillars. So, walls rather than... No, no, support. Support. Oh. Yeah. Something which is fundamental. Okay. Place which you served, you said it's allowed, yeah? Okay, this is good. Isn't it slightly wrong to feel like not praying in the haram because of the noise and the lack of khushu, etc., etc.? Not having the love of praying there because of the atmosphere is that an indicator of weak iman? Not many people would admit to that. Um, huh? It is subjective and very individual. She's absolutely right that that um, it is slightly wrong to feel like not praying in a noisy in a noisy place. 
like where, yeah, where's our, where's our hakan halal, yeah? Oh, what a shit. That's got to be the worst throw ever. My goodness. There you go. All right. Can, can we have some cola ones for the girls? I think. Oh, no, they've been given some. Oh, you've been snapped, yeah? No, they are a bit tough. All right. Don't worry, man. Don't get upset. Um, listen, um, the, I, I am fully in agreement that this is a very sensitive matter. Only because of how it can get out of control. Right? And that's why when people make this statement or argue about this, we have to look to the person, we have to look at their reality. Because you do hear this a lot, but I hear this from people who don't pray. So I'm not going to accept it. I hear it from people who are secular or liberal or whatever. So I'm not going to accept it. But if a person I know, he leaves a masjid to go to another one further away, I'm, I'm going I'm to accept it. I'm going to accept an argument from a person who goes through something like, you know, for example, I'm asked the question quite regularly. I have two mosques. Uh, you know, I'm living in like Longsight. I'm living in Birmingham. I'm living in whatever. And for Fajr, I have the masjid which is next to me, like one minute away. And then the one which is according to the sunnah, five minutes down. Okay? You should not walk past a masjid to go to another masjid. That's the basic principle. However, if there is a person that yani, is aware of the importance of being upon the sunnah, a masjid and doing the salah according to the sunnah, etc., etc., then yes, we would then go to that masjid as opposed to the other one. But if you're going to you know, say something that's going to lead a person to not go to the masjid at all, that's, that's, that's a disaster. There are, you know, another question is asked. Um, my local masjid is a Hanafi bloody blah mosque and it prays Fajr at 7.45 and uh, sunrise is at 8.15. So we say that, yeah, and the point this person is making is that it's sunnah to pray early. Yes? And of course it is. But it's also more recommended to go and pray the congregational prayer even if it's praying in a non-sunnah time. Does that make sense? You get more reward for that prayer, praying in congregation at a later time, than you would be praying by yourself. Likewise, another scenario. My masjid has got an imam which is you know, really, really poor. I don't like his voice. The prayer with this imam in the masjid, for the majority of people, we would make sure he goes. We don't want to open that door. Yeah, and if, you know, to say, okay, then you pray at home, whatever, whatnot. Unless this person is hafiz, is going to establish prayer at home and lead other people as well, etc. They're super sensitive to the Qur'an. Yes, yani, uh, when they hear it being recited wrong, it's not about putting them off, but they start to get angry. You know? They have like, you know, it really starts to disturb, you know, their, 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 their situation. So, it's a very fine line. There are some people I cannot pray behind at all. You know, and I'm, I'm, pray, I'm praying behind someone, and they're doing things with the Qur'an, and, uh, you know... I'm, it's not I'm getting upset I'm getting I'm like hating you know what I'm saying when you start getting to the level you're making dua against the imam that's leading you that's the only problematic <laughs> save, save yourself save him save everyone and just take yourself out of that evil situation but then you can't just stay at home and then chill as easy guys you know this year in Hajj right what we thought was our local masjid Right? This was the mistake, Yani. Okay? What we thought was our local masjid had an imam who had, without a shadow of a doubt, 
the worst qira'ah I have ever seen in my entire life. And I seen, heard everything. It was, a, it was an experience. It had to be seen. Yeah. <laughs> SubhanAllah, may Allah, may Allah forgive him, may Allah increase him. He was a, uh, you know, he does khidmah, the masjid, I don't know what, he, what can you do. It's very difficult to speak about this, Yani, without it being problematic, the whole thing. But it was terrible. And I don't mean that in a gossip way. I, I made an official complaint to the masjid. I made an official complaint to the uh, khatib and the whatever. And they were making lame excuses, which made me even more angry. And they said, ah, because he gives the adhan, we've got to give him this, that. It was horrible. It was horrible. It sounded like a person is like, you know, torturing a cat. Yeah? Like, you know, really, really like, you know, trying to pull out the, the abdomen, yeah, and the guts. <laughs> and it's pulling inside. Sound. It was thinking. It was just a... <laughs> like this, this kind of sound. That was like that's the one I can hear in my in my. I miss him, uh, you don't miss him at all. Miss him. You don't miss him at all, Zafar. <laughs> don't lie, yeah. don't lie. That's haram. You don't miss him one little bit. He'd get me up in the morning. Uh, no, yeah, it would wake us up. <laughs> he was the same guy. His his adhan, I think, was even worse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Allah. Yani, I I realized, Yani. You know, some people are tested. You know, you know, and he's being tested. That whole jama'ah is being tested. Praying behind him every day. And it was, it was a blessing. It was a blessing because I was desperate to find another masjid. Like my iman was being affected. My hajj was on the line. Then I found another masjid, alhamdulillah. On the last day? On the last The problem was I found it too late. Yeah, they, <laughs> a couple of days left and that was it. No, I'm not going to go there because we don't want to repeat that again. So anyway, the point is, is that you've got to have some positivity. Um, but this is very important. Um, yeah, I know you've got to be very careful here. Also, let me just make something very clear. Right? This is not... So, uh, my decision was not just about noise. Okay? Because noise is not meant to be a barrier to prayer. It doesn't help. But if you can't pray in a noisy situation, you've got a major problem. There is no condition out there saying that you're not meant to pray in noise. Alright? A Muslim is meant to pray outside... Muslim is meant to pray in battle. Muslim is meant to, meant to, I mean, meant to. What are you going to say, Yanya, outside in battle, Yanya? Okay, I'm not going to pray because it's too noisy here. Can you please stop here and dropping bombs for a second? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you've got to have some, you know, and, and um, so it's that, it's, that, it's that subjective line. It's like the issue of, of children, for example, in the masjid. You can't have the children in the masjid because they are uh, noisy. Well, that's true. You are disturbing a obligatory act of prayer, but you have to have within yourself the ability to be able to cut out noise. Okay? So no, I would not say that it was... Um, I don't want to say that the problem with the Kaaba at that time or the Haram at that time for me was the noise. It was everything. It was a, but the, what I want to bring more focus to was not the problem of the Haram. I want to bring more focus to that what was better for me. That's what I think I want you to focus more on a story as opposed to understanding that there's a problem with the haram. And what I want you to understand is that the best prayer is not the prayer that you pray in a holy place, but rather the one where you really feel the connection. Do you know what I'm trying to say? That should be obvious, but it's not. If a person's heart is dead, they can't make dua, they haven't cried in years in a place like this, and then another place 
is you know direct connection and you're feeling every single thing and you're feeling the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala how can you compare the two it doesn't matter if one's inside the Kaaba one's any in the land of the enemies with people drinking around you and whatever it doesn't matter I mean I can tell you now some of the prayers that I used to pray when I used to work in retail were the best prayers ever right so when I'm, I'm talking about retail meaning that there is nothing but noise store music is on yani whatever and that prayer will be amazing you really feel your prayer that you, you can't even hear anything anymore you, you go in and you're cut off because you're so desperate to kind of you know repel what is what is you know what has diseased your heart and mind for the last six hours people music nonsense rubbish whatever so it's not it's not necessarily uh, that and just to uh, what Mesa says here my feeling on this issue is that this laser focus on having to pray in a haram or in a rawda seems to be a manifestation of a lack of iman knowledge as opposed to not having love of praying there. I think she's onto something there. I think she's onto something. Meaning that there's a, there's a difference between wanting to pray something for the sake of getting more reward and feeling it versus it has to be there for uh, you know regardless of anything. Even if I have the worst thing ever. It's the same idea, argument that Prophet ﷺ made to, the, to Omar. That be careful because you don't recognize your own strength when you're going towards touching the, the Hajar Aswad. What do we learn? We learn it does not come at any cost. So it's not about touching the stone at any cost because I could do that. Anyone half the size of, yani, anyone who's not small, okay, can go and hold their own and touch the Kaaba and touch the black stone. But you're not meant to if it's going to cause harm, which means that there is, a, there is a level where you back off. So if that level was not hurting others, then we can also say that that level is a spiritual one or psychological one in the Hatim, in the Hijr, in the Rawda, uh, etc., etc. Yeah. Um, yeah, just on this point again about Ramadan, uh, last year and the year before I prayed, last 10 nights, and last year was in the Masjid Haram the year before the Masjid Nabu last 10 nights and I, I personally found it an intensely spiritual experience because you know what, to, what you're looking for again it's the point you made at the very end uh, what, you've got to, what you've got to do is like, have some experience of what you're looking for when you go there what time to leave your hotel where to go and where the best place to pray is I think if you go in with a kamikaze attitude and yeah. pray in front of the Kaaba every single day you're going to end up getting your head smashed by some musadli or whatever we're trying to do a bawaf at the same time yes so yes me personally I would leave early I'd go on the roof of the haram Relax, chill out, pray tarawih, pray qiyam, come back and get some food right later on when it's quieter. You know, you basically figure out what to do at what time. If you go in sort of not knowing these things, wanting to do whatever, whenever, at the same time as one and a half million people, obviously you're going to have problems. Yes, so yes. So I think, yeah. Exactly, like a very good point. Medina was the same. You know, you are going to undergo difficulties. The number of people there in the last 10 nights equal hajj. That's a, that's a fact. Yeah. 27th night, wallahi... My Hajj was nothing compared to what was on the 20th. Oh, no, it's far busier, far I, busier. I, I, Ramadan, far busier than Hajj. from the Haram to my hotel, my top shirt was ripped open. Oh, I was yeah. like being in a fight. Mm-hmm. And um, you just, just got to know when to go, when yeah. to not go. So I would just go, I would not, I would not care about making a every single day. I would not care about doing, you know, um, Umrah every single day. Just go on the roof, pray a Talawi, have some Khushu, go to the Abdullah King Abdullah extension, the new one, pray somewhere in the back. The sound is nice. Just enjoy the Quran, yeah. enjoy the time, and I find it that you know that was that was a really spiritual experience. Yep. I think, and also I don't, you know, personally with respect to the question, I don't buy the by the the uh, thing about noise. There's nowhere in either of the two masajid with the acoustics of the or the, or the sound of the mic don't drown out background sound, cats, kids, air conditioning, whatever. It's, yeah, it's always loud enough for you to be able to concentrate on what's being recited. Whether you're on the streets, whether you've got loud mics, whether you're inside, whether you're on the roof. 
it's always more than loud enough. I just think, again, it's down to the person. You know, planning, planning. It's all about planning. Amazing. Knowing what you want. A friend of mine went on Umrah. His dad it was his first time there. He's not a entirely religious person. His argument was, you know, this is why Muslims don't get anywhere. They've got to pray five times a day. Because they have to yep. get out of the hotel and go to the masjid five times a day. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, this is exactly like that. This last point again. Do you know what I'm saying? Again, this is the danger of this, this kind of argument. Okay? And I'm glad that you said that because um, uh, there are far more people now that belong in this category yani, that, that have a negative experience and they use it to just confirm their preconceived yani, anger against Muslims or whatever and they use it as a whipping kind of thing. I think this, this is like a, a symptomatic or a larger problem. Yep. I go to the website hajratings.com mm-hmm. vast majority of people on there moaning yep. uh, but doesn't matter what package even if it's a bad company or a good company everyone's complaining cold, short, cold, silent you know tomatoes are too small there's someone in Dar es Salaam was in the package my mate's a tour guide on there because some of the Americans have come in the tomatoes are too small in the market yeah. you know what I'm saying another one complained like it's always going on about Saudis destroying heritage you got there you said the t- there's not enough towels in my hotel room do you know what I'm saying so this yeah i think i think i think let, let, let me also um uh, add again because I am fearing that that uh, uh, people don't understand this point because it is a sensitive point. Like I said, um, we have to take the personal away from the Islamic, the legislative, yeah, away from the personal. And a hundred percent, if a person was to go and uh, if, if if noise was their problem, all right. If busyness was their problem, if you're yeah, worried about you know whatever was, was their problem, and also sound, that's very important as well. For example, we was in Hajj, and there was a few places where the sound was so bad, mm-hmm. and if you were to, if that was the only place that you were getting to because you were late, and you are not timing it correctly, and you're going there and you end up three or four times, that becomes your perception of the haram. And if you're not getting there really early. And finding a supreme place in a whatever where they, where you should be, where it would be normally, then you're missing out on the actual thing, and then you're letting your preconceived ideas uh, come across. My my point is again to emphasize that what you should be doing before you start thinking of holy places or unholy places is to make sure that you understand what works for you first as a as a as a as a, as a primary point. Yeah, and meaning that, for example, uh, at this moment in time. The haram is not going through a great yani qari kind of uh, thing, right? Masal haram. The, yeah, not yeah, yeah, yeah. The the qira'ah there at the moment is is struggling big time, right? All of the imams there, people are like, you know, don't what's going on. And you know, back in previous eras, it was it was a, a luxury of of just, oof, it was you know amazing. Huh? I mean that the experience itself of listening to the qira'ah. Yani they don't make them like they used to, basically. Yani you look at Mahal Ayyub, you look at uh, Shuraim now, doesn't recite hardly ever. It's uh, or yeah, it feels like he doesn't recite hardly ever. And you know, Sudes Yani when he recites, the heart hurts, and uh, <laughs> so you know I can't do that. Politics has changed. Zulm has Yani affected things, and so on and so forth. Now, now when you're listening to people, like you know, you got to make account for that as well. And the Nabi Sallallahu has spoken about the importance of an imam that is loved by his people. 
Okay, this these are important hadith to take into account. I, you know, uh, you know, people get very sensitive because everyone loves Sudais, and he has a very beautiful voice. There's no doubt about it. And I find it very difficult to pray behind Sudais. Very, very difficult. This person is complicit and supported Yani a regime that murdered Muslims, and he did not Yani speak out when he should have. In actual fact, he endorsed it, and he has, in my opinion. Yani, I don't know if he has blood on his hands, but he is guilty, Yani, of not speaking out. If he was feeling under pressure, he should have resigned. He's a multi multi millionaire, multi Yani secure. He could have got out of the country, could have done many things. So I, I'm, I'm harsh on him specifically, but he was a person that took the decision to speak against Yani, the Muslims that were, the, the, that were killed by Sisi. And uh, no, I'm not having that. And the other guy, what's his name? Uh, Afasi? Was, oh, it, was it? Was it? Was it? Uh, he was the other one. I don't care. Figurehead or not figurehead, shame on him as well. Yeah. Yani, he also wrote against yani, the Muslims of Rabaah. He was also yani, uh, 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 speaking out against. Now, you put me. I don't. I don't want to pray behind that person. Mm-hmm. Prayer yani, is, is an intimate moment. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? I'm going to go and find someone else. I mean, like I said, I don't also like people who yani, go do a lot of uh, try to try too hard to kalluf as we call it. Mm-hmm. I like people who recite normal thingy. Not you know, my favorite reciters are not what people like, and that's fine. That's fine. For example, I like I uh, uh, Sheikh Ehlan, I, uh, and even more so uh, his uh, older brother. If there was one person that I would choose to lead me all the time in every prayer, it would be the old, older brother of Sheikh Ehlan, and. No one would listen to him and put him in the position of Qari or nice recitation. No one. Even, even himself, even me, Yani, I know mm-hmm. he's, no, no, he's, he's not a Qari at all. He just has a, uh, uh, a recitation of someone who understands the Quran. So it's not even, doesn't even have a melody, doesn't have a maqam. Yesterday we were sitting with some of the, the thing, I don't mind saying this, Yani. I don't, <laughs> I don't mind saying this. We were, the, the, the Al-Maghrib instructors were all sitting there for dinner. So one of them, nameless, obviously, we're going to say, starts yani, reciting maqam this, maqam nawan, maqam yani, seekum, maqam this, that, whatever, whatnot. And so he would recite, and the others were getting very excited, yani, and the instructors were, were yani, you know, guessing this is maqam, this is maqam that, which requires this, which requires that. I turned to Ahsan Hanif, I said, this is ruwa'ah bid'ah, this is ruwa'ah bid'ah, this is ruwa'ah bid'ah, and this is ruwa'ah bid'ah as well. Well, a lot of nonsense, maqam, 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 pure baqwas, man, you want to say. Absolutely, man, absolutely. <laughs> There's a lot. Don't open this chapter, man. What are you opening? Why are you causing fitna for? <laughs> don't even go. Don't don't even so, don't, don't don't dare. Yani, don't even dare start. Right. Okay. Come on. Let's quickly get to the thing. Uh, um, does this suggest that we should try to pray in the Rawda? Uh, on the authority of Yazid ibn Abi Ubaid, he said that I uh, uh, that I you'd, I would come with Salama ibn Aqwa. What happened, man? What have you done, Shaz? What on earth are you doing? Okay. Right. So I would come um, with Salama ibn Aqwa and in this uh, I would pray um, at the uh, pillar that was near uh, the, uh, it's called the pillar of the Mus'haf, yani it's in the Rawda itself. And he would say, Yaba Muslim. I see that you really try your very best to pray uh, next to this particular pillar. And he said, 
that I saw the Prophet Sallallahu try his best to pray that. Um, this is hadith, of course, yeah, narrated by Bukhari and Muslim. I don't believe that this hadith is a extra and above for the Rawdah. There's no doubt about the fact that the Rawdah is a special place. He said that this is yeah, a place from paradise, which between my house and my member is a Rawdah min Rad al-Jannah. There's no doubt about that. The, uh, the Prophet Sallallahu favorite uh, pillars have been uh, noted and collected with such detail we have books yani, that specify uh, each one, given each one its name, and then the number of a hadith yani, I've narrated that he would pray behind each one. So we know that. There's no, there's no doubt that a person should try to do that. But the irony is, just in response Naveed, to that, is that I don't see anyone trying to, or the majority of people trying to pray behind that pillar. It's all about getting into the Hirola, exactly what Ijaz has said. For them, it's more about, I've just got to get into the haram at any cost, as opposed to, let me get an awesome prayer inside the haram. It's a big difference. It's a massive difference in mindset. Because one, then you go four or five hours earlier for, and you're thinking about the salah and the space and whatever. Whereas the other one is, I just want to get my foot in. I just want to touch it. And it goes back down to that mentality that we've spoken about a lot before that criticizes the idea that we're just like looking for the jackpot only. Muslims are only looking for the 27th night because they just want to get there when the aim was never to worship Allah on the 27th night. That's why the correct position is that there is no date for Laytul Qadr. It moves every single night. I used to tell people, I still do tell people, it is Mu'atabar, Qawlun Mu'atabar. It's a correct opinion to say Laytul Qadr will never come again. It only happened once and once only. Okay? Now, you say that to the majority of Muslims, you're going to break your not their hearts, you're going to break their minds. They're like, what? No one will let Al-Qadr ever again, right? Because they put all their hopes in that. It's the same I wrote the other day about the hour of acceptance on Friday, the dua. Yes, people put all of their chickens into that, yeah, and it lasts one hour and they think this is it. Whereas the correct opinion is that there is no evidence to specify the exact time of that hour. The idea behind it is that Friday is meant to be an entire day of dua as opposed to just that tiny one hour. Meaning that there's that mentality where people become super, super specific, right? And that's something that we need to knock on the head. Anyway. Yes, yes, the time, uh, technically, yes. But the hadith of the day, it says, which is the day. Okay, let's just quickly. Oh, oh, have I. Uh, uh, Could oh, you go on? Yeah, I'm just saying that, that uh, the Laytul Qadr. The majority of the scholars hold it to be the 27th, of, to the 27th night. But there are a number of companions that said it was the 23rd. Another number of companions said it's the 21st night. A number of companions who said that, uh, 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 not a number, but a few companions that suggested that it's happened once and it's only happened once, it's not going to happen again. And I'm saying that the correct position is that Laylatul Qadr is not on a specific numbered night of the last 10 nights, but rather it moves every year. We, and, and the point being, we don't know when it is. Therefore, conclusion, you pray every night like as if it could be Laytul Qadr. That's the point. Yeah. Um, uh, Shaz, what's the, what's, the, what's the text? I don't, I don't know whether we've, we've got this part or not. Oh, okay, good then. So let's answer that question and khalas then. Jyoti. Many scholars mention this principle that both the obligatory and the supererogatory prayers are to be treated the same. Why is it then that sometimes scholars differentiate between the two such as you can recite your dua in English in the supererogatory prayers but not in the obligatory prayers? Okay, What are they basing this on? It seems that they are opting for safety and not any kind of nas. It's very good. 
Very, very good question. Right? So, for example, and I'm one of them. When we say, when we say that, uh, do you understand his question? Right? He's saying that you're basically saying, you're stating very clearly that both prayers are to be seen the same unless there's an evidence to indicate, you know, that there's a difference. Okay? And there are things that the Prophet ﷺ did that uh, you will say you are not allowed to uh, do in one prayer or the other. Let me actually explain my, and defend my position. Um, when it comes to initiating something brand new, you're always going to be cautious. Let me give you an example. Um, people ask, can I hold the Mus'haf in the prayer? Okay? Yes? Can I hold the Mus'haf in the Salah? And you hear the scholars will say, either no, which is the safest position. Why? Why? Because the Prophet never did it. Alright? Or you hear the second position, which is what? Which is what? No, no. What's the second opinion? That you can hold it in Nafal prayer, in Taraweeh, in Tahajjud, and so on and so forth. So, you might say, that's what Yani Awais is saying. How can you say only nafal? Why not the full? Because it never was done in a nafal in the first place. So you get what I'm trying to say? We're making a new act. So if you're talking about something new that hasn't been done before, then it is understandable that you... you get, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Or does it not make sense? Because I think I might have explained it very well. Like he, gets, he says, you can recite your dua in English. Yeah? So just using his statement, you can recite your du'a in English in the supererogatory prayers, but not in obligatory prayers. Why are you saying that? Why are you differentiating between the two prayers? The reason is because the Prophet never made du'a in, the English, uh, in English in the prayer. So this actual safe position is to say neither in the sunnah, neither in the obligatory prayer. And then those scholars that allow it in the supererogatory prayer, they're allowing it because what they know is that the rules concerning the supererogatory prayer are more relaxed. We know that. So this is very different to the Prophet ﷺ doing something in a supererogatory prayer and then not being reported, not doing it in the obligatory prayer and then us extending it. As we say, Adam al-Wurud, yani the lack of a narration does not mean Adam al-Hukam, does not mean that the ruling is absent. Does that make sense? The fact that the Prophet ﷺ didn't do something does not always mean that you're not meant to do it. If that makes sense. Also the Nas as well, Shaykh, when it said that you are supposed to do your Rabdu the Dua. Yes. So for, it does not say which, which language, or it doesn't specify it's general. So you're saying the opposite, yeah, and you're, you're, you're making the point that the Dua, the Prophet has, has, has said that you're closest to your Lord in Sajda, mm-hmm. therefore, mm-hmm. You, therefore in all prayers you should apply it? Yeah, based on the Hadith, yeah. Uh, it's, not it's not specific. It doesn't say it's doing Arabic, Faqat. Uh, it does if you look at the action of the Prophet he didn't do another language right because that was his language yeah and that's why we allow it صح we allow it but you are doing something new yani you are you are allowing something but you are doing something you are introducing something new no it's different language not new because that's his person's language so we we speak English right so we why why not then accept the argument that Abu Hanifa had which is that you can say Allah Kabir. Why not accept that? Because 
And what do you think? What do you think making dua? Yani is. Like he didn't specify that just do in Arabic language because he did it because it was his language. What's the what's what's the evidence that you are specifying it just to his language? What about the Romans, uh, those people who spoke yani uh, Abyssinian? What about those people who were uh, were speaking Roman? What about the people who were speaking Aramaic? What about other people who came? What about the lack of a single narration to show that they prayed in their own language? The basic concept with du'a and dhikr is that it's tawqifi. Did we discuss tawqifi here? Yeah? Right? Right? The basic principle with du'a is that it's tawqifi. There are scholars that I have discussed and said that no, it's allowed and there are levels and so on and so forth. But anyway. All right. Any other questions, folks? Anything? Uh, Yeah. You know, so if uh, prayer is not valid in any of those places, or as we discussed, uh, would be... Uh, yeah, all the places mentioned before. So on the flip side, that means prayer is valid everywhere Correct. Everywhere. Correct, correct. We did mention a few things last week about, uh, for example, not allowed in the, in the public prayer area, public yani, um, walkway, when you're blocking someone, uh, um, and if, like a fire exit and things like that, because of the risk of you know causing significant danger. But didn't say that invalid, you said haram. Correct, correct. Not 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 invalid, but the prayer would attract sin if you're causing a problem to other people. But that's like the same as as praying out loud. Yeah, and, and disturbing someone next to you. That's something which is not allowed to do. Does that make sense? In a in a in a quiet zone. So you know we're praying dhuhr, and there's you who's you know carrying on in this merry way while I'm next to you. Yeah, and, you know. Trying to focus on my salah. Yeah? So, with regards to the question you mentioned before that you got asked, just on that, uh, somebody asked me, uh, one of the relatives from Pakistan, uh, the closest masjid is a bravery masjid. Mm-hmm. And they have spoken with the Imam, and Imam does say, like, you know, Sosalam, the Shafi as well, you know, all that kind of stuff. But he accepts all that bravery, for example. Meaning the Imam fully reckons the Prophet and knows everything, sees really everything. Yeah. So uh, he's saying, can I still pray behind him? Because the other masjid is quite far away. But I don't want to pray in the house. I want I, to pray in the masjid. I, I would. Yeah, I, don't, I told you before, I don't believe the, the brevis are mushrikin, no. I believe that they perform bid'ah. I don't believe that they are mushrik. I, I believe that even when they say that the Prophet is here, the Prophet knows the ghayb, whatever, they're all making any silly statements. But is that not denying the ayat of the Quran? Yeah, yeah. The but, so. Of course. But this is not a discussion now about Tawheed and <laughs> as how it's the war. Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. What about what extreme example, like, let's say if you live next door to the Shia mosque? Uh-huh. Yeah. Is it a mosque? That's different. Is it a mosque? Boo. Would they allow you to come? But you're not talking about other people. No, no, Shia, they have like Hussainiyah, in Manchester, several, and then they'll have a mosque as well. First of all, it's two separate buildings. They don't drink. There you go, made it nice and easy for us. Three Alhamdulillah. You can't, because they don't. But there is a couple of Shia is it good to make people feel bad? <laughs> okay, guys, Sorry, folks at home.
Sorry, folks, at home. Subhanak Allahumma hamdika shadu Allah ilaha illa anta. Wa astaghfiruk Allahumma wa atubu alaykum wa salam alaykum wa rahmatullah.